Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. So Exodus chapter 6, and if you want to follow in your Bible, you can, and if you don't, well, this is your evening because we're going to have it up on the screen also. Um, in the book of Exodus, there are a lot of big themes and big things that happen, and we're not really going to be talking about any of them that much tonight, but... Also important in the book of Exodus is, is some of the small things that happen and some things that happen with Moses because, hey, when we're thinking about anybody who's in the Bible who's a human being, okay, and, and who's not Jesus, and there's a pantheon, and there's a penthouse to that pantheon. Now, isn't Moses in that? You know, Moses, John the Baptist... You might get a couple of, you know, Elijah, maybe Elisha, a couple of other guys. And that's the pantheon. That's sort of like the top floor. And, and he's in that. And yet, he didn't just pop into the book of Exodus as a fully formed super prophet leader guy. He didn't. And we saw this at the beginning. We saw this when he fled Egypt because he killed somebody. Uh, we saw this when Moses was talking to God and God was appear, appeared in a burning bush that burned but was not consumed. And, and Moses thought it would be a great idea if, if God went with somebody else because he wasn't up to the task, the same task that he wanted to do 40 years prior. He's the same guy who almost died on the trip from Midian to Egypt, almost died, and then worse, got in trouble with his wife because of something very important he forgot to do, and that's in chapter 5, and I talked about that last time. And his wife ended up having to do it for him, and she wasn't very happy. Um, I say that as a joke, but it wasn't a joke because he almost died. Um, and, and, and you would think... If after talking to God, you might go back and think, gee, is there anything that God had wanted me to do anyway as being you know, one of the children of Israel that I may have forgotten to do for my son? He didn't do that. And then he went and talked to Pharaoh. Now, maybe before he was going to talk to Pharaoh, he thought maybe this would be a one-shot deal. He'd go and say, let my people go. And then Pharaoh would say, yeah, I, God told him it wasn't going to be that easy, but he, he might be thinking, well, maybe it will be. Maybe it's not going to be that bad. It turned out to be worse than he could have imagined because the Pharaoh said, well, you know, it must mean that, that the children of Israel are lazy. They must have a lot of free time to be thinking about going on these little vacations. So we're going to have to step things up a little bit. Um, they use straw to make bricks. It, part of when you 
make them out of mud. You need the, the straw to sort of give it um, sort of like rebar <laughs> for mud bricks. Um, and um, he took that away. They had to, in the morning before they made the mud bricks, they had to go and gather their own straw, and yet they had to keep the same quota. And they didn't keep the same quota. And, and so the first response from Pharaoh was to have all the... the, the um, I don't want to call them slave drivers, but the, 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 the overseers who were having the, uh, the people make mud bricks, who were themselves Jews, had them beat up because they weren't hitting the quota. Had them beat. So the leaders of Israel were unhappy and they let Moses know and they said, we're worse off than when you came. You and these ideas of, of, of going to the Pharaoh and... and, and and, and, and having us rescued and to go back to the land that we came from that none of us remember because it was so many generations ago. And I had a working title um, when things seemed to be going wrong. I often have a working title on something, um, and then I try to replace it with something funny or clever. And I, I didn't because, A, I didn't think of anything funny or clever, but more importantly, B, it started to see, seem like it was more appropriate to what I was talking about. <clears throat> and I, I thought more about Moses and what was going on with him um, during this chapter and as it related to uh, the previous chapters. I'd like to pick up, actually, with the leaders of the Israelites talking to... Moses. So we're going to go back into chapter 5 and verse 20. And um, when I'm reading this, when it says, They came out from Pharaoh, that's the leaders of um, the children of Israel. Then, as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I have come to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. What would it be like to be asked by God to go do something and then to go try to do it and then have the people say back to you, you know, let God judge you because we're worse off than when you started. Wouldn't that be kind of confusing? I mean, it's not like he volunteered and said, hey, God, I want to do this for you. He said, no, God came to him and said, you, I want you to do this. And he didn't really want to do it. And then he did it. He started to, and then, 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 then the people are saying, well, now we're worse off, so God can judge you for that. Um, so yes, he was upset when he was talking to God. Is this bad? Not necessarily. I mean, you know, if, if you read a lot of Psalms, anybody read a lot of Psalms? Raise your hand if you've read Psalms. Okay. Um, you get a lot of uh, expression of, of, of being upset about something or about fear, or about doubt. And it's said of the Psalms that the older you get, the more the Psalms have meaning. And um, I found this to be true. 
So it doesn't mean that if you're young, I, I suggest, yes, if you're young, uh, definitely read the Psalms. Uh, just read them knowing that, that you'll, you'll start, you may start to identify with them more as you get older. That's not a bad thing. It's normal. But we're not really in the Psalms. We're in Exodus. But he's doing a very Psalm-like thing here where he's expressing um, his, his anguish towards the Lord because he feels like you know, he's asked to do something and, and it's all going wrong. This is from the last time, if you weren't here, there's a book by Seth Godin called The Dip. And it's, it's a little book that teaches you when to quit and when to stick. It can, it's not a Christian book. It's not a religious book. But we have dips in ministry. There are dips that happen um, in, in our Christian lives. So in that sense, there are dips. And um, I had this graph that somebody wrote. I didn't do this. It was on the Internet. I liked it. Um, it's it sort of whenever there's a new endeavor, you're doing really well, and then you start to go down and things aren't going well, and then you're in this dip. And are you going to stay in the dip? Do you quit? Or, or do you just kind of keep trying harder and harder to do, to get better, and then things are going to get better, and they are going to get better, and, and sometimes they do. And, and it takes wisdom to, to realize whether or not you should stop or that you should press on. Um, and then, and, and certainly, um, when you put uh, the counsel of Scripture and, and God's will in your life into it, it's sometimes um, it's a matter of things are going bad. Lord, help me. And, and you want help through the dip. And maybe you want some counsel because if you're at a place where you're not supposed to be, you want to know that, but you don't necessarily want to assume it. Um, so it could be ministry, like either participating in ministry or leading ministry. It could be um, joining, joining a church. It could be making decisions based on the counsel of Scripture when maybe one year or five years or ten years ago you wouldn't have made those same um, decisions based on Scripture. You would have done something else that you thought was right based on your own experience, your own personality, or your own worldview that had not been changed by Scripture. So... What's going on with Moses can actually apply to any of us here. Uh, we don't have to be um, super mega prophets in training. Most of us aren't going to do that. I don't think I am, by the way. I, and I don't think any of you are either, but we all can learn from this. So Moses is in it. Do you see where it says the dip and there's sort of little lines? I wish I had a pointer, but I forgot it. Uh, maybe next time. But he's in that dip, and, and he's in some anguish. And God's going to help him out of the dip, and that's what brings us into uh, chapter 6. Exodus 6, 1 to 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as all God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have established, also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. 
And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. And I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. So he takes the opportunity not only to repeat what is going to happen, but also to explain some more about himself to Moses, things that he had not revealed to Abraham, to Isaac, or to Jacob. The redeeming part of God, the, the God who remembers his covenants and keeps them. It's something new. And I think it completely sailed over Moses' head, even though he remembers it. I don't know that he really caught on to what God was saying immediately. I don't think he caught it until later on. Now, God speaks to us in Scripture. Have you ever had that with Scripture? You read something and it's like, oh, yeah, this is great. But you don't really start to understand it until later, maybe a month, maybe a year, maybe two years. That, that's how it is with God's Word. Um, and that's why going back and looking at something that's familiar is, is, is always a good thing because you may learn something new and have something to apply to your life now that you couldn't have done before. So Moses has heard these wonderful promises and he's going to go and speak them to the children of Israel. So what could go wrong, right? So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. But then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go in and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. I don't know that I would have wanted to be Moses. I mean, maybe I would because I know how it all ended. But if you didn't know how it all ended, he's got to feel like he's in a spot because things didn't go well with Pharaoh the first time. Things didn't go well with the children of Israel the first time. And then God talks to him, tells him some wonderful things about himself, repeats what his intentions are for the children of Israel, repeats what I think, along with that, what he wants Moses to do. So Moses goes and does it. You think, well, I'm going to go back. I'm going to talk to the children of Israel again. And this time, things are going to be different, and I'm going to convince them. Because if we were going to write this up like a TV episode or a movie, that's what would happen, right? You go, the first time, things don't go really well, and then you have the God pep talk. And then you go back, and you say, okay, and then he goes and talks to the people. And this time, they get it. And they didn't get it. And he had to go talk to Pharaoh. And things went so well last time. How do you think he feels about this now? Right after 
the children of Israel said, we don't want to hear what you have to say. So God says, okay, now go talk to Pharaoh. Oh, oh I don't want to talk to Pharaoh. <sighs> so, yeah, he's still in the dip. It, sometimes the dip is not a place that you just spend a day. Sometimes you spend a long time in the dip. And that's how it's been with Moses here. So, continuing on, chapter 6, 12 to 13, And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How, shall, how then shall Pharaoh heed me, for I am of uncircumcised lips? And then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, uh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. When Moses is saying, I am of uncircumcised lips, I don't, it, it was just a figure of speech. I read about it, it's like part unworthy, part unable. He had already said he wasn't much of a talker. But I, I think there might have been more on that too. Not only am I a not much of a talker, maybe I'm not much of a good person to be a messenger for you. I don't think that he was feeling um, very highly of himself at this point. And, and he did express that to God though. Again, he was honest about it. He was open about it. And, and God heard him. But God spoke to Moses and, and Aaron and, and repeated what he wanted them to do. He, the job he had for them stayed the job he had for them. And that's sometimes when we're doing things, we're moving on in life or ministry. That's a good example of, of application here. Um, the, th the things that God wants us to do are still the things God wanna, wants us to do, even if things aren't going so well at the beginning. This is what I think about when I think of Moses, but it's not the Moses in here. Actually, it's not really, this is not what I think about when I think of Moses. It is kind of, you know, you get the Charlton Heston thing. And I was talking to my wife about it, and then I, I'm suddenly saying, yeah, John the Baptist, because he played John the Baptist, you know, it's just, it's Charlton Heston. But I don't think of him like this. I think of him like that, you see? Got the, because you got the, the sort of whole, the motion, you know, or maybe holding a staff like this. There are some pictures like that, but I didn't want to keep throwing pictures of Charlton Heston. Uh, so we're going to go with that one. That's my winner. Um, so then we go from talking about what Moses was doing and what God was doing with Moses to something completely different. Um, it's genealogies. And, and if you haven't heard me in genealogies before, I, I, I don't try to learn how to pronounce them beforehand. I, I believe that, so it's kind of for entertainment purposes, okay? But we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the genealogies here. And these are the heads of their father's houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, were Hanak, Pelu, Hezron, and Carmi. These were the families of Reuben. And the sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jashin, Zohar, and Shal, the son of the Canaanite woman. And these were the families of Simeon. 
Now, these are the sons of Levi according to their generations, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. And the years of the life of Levi were 137. And the sons of Gershon were Libni and Shimni according to their families. And the sons of Kohath were Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel. And the years of the life of Kohath were 133. And the sons of Merari were Mali and Mushi. And these are the families of Levi according to their generations. I actually know somebody whose name is Mushi, but I don't think he's related. Really, I do. Now Amram took for himself Jochebed, his father's sister, as wife, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. And the years of the life of Amram were, were 137. And the sons of Izhar were Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri. And the sons of Uziel were Mishael, Elzaphan, and Zithri. Aaron took to himself Elisheba, daughter of Aminadab, sister of Nashon, as wife. And she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. And the sons of Korah were Asir, Elkanah, and Abiasaph. And these were the families of the Korahites. Eliezer, Aaron's son, took for himself one of the daughters of Putiel as wife, and she bore him Phinehas. And these are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites according to their families. And so, whew, that was it. It was sort of like, okay, story, 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 brief diversion. We're going to do genealogy now. Why are we doing genealogy? It doesn't really make sense, and it's not going to today. Be but it will later on. Um, what happens in Scripture sometimes is that um, you get something like this genealogy, which doesn't make sense early on, but it does later on. Um, the name Korah will come up. Um, the Korah leads a rebellion later on. But his, some of his lineage, some of the Psalms are written by the sons of Korah. So you have that. And then you have the, the uh, priests coming from the line of Aaron. Um, so it, it's, it's sort of like divine housekeeping to put this information here the, to be referred to later. But it's really not going to impact what we're talking about now. Okay, Exodus 6, 26 to 27. These are the same Aaron and Moses whom the Lord said, bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron. And 28 to 30, when it came to pass on the the day that the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How shall Pharaoh heed me? And he meant it because he wasn't really like this. He wasn't really the, you know, super prophet Charlton Heston guy. He was, he was a guy with a history, and not all of it good history. 
and and God had asked him to do something and, and he wasn't doing it. And he didn't know if it was himself or what was going on. Some of the scriptures that I brought last time still apply here. And, and I could have, instead of the ones I had, brought some other ones just as examples. Um, when we run into situations where we are in a dip, we need to do a few things. We need to pray. Um, pray by ourselves. Pray with people that we know and trust. Uh, seek godly counsel sometimes. Um, seek the counsel of Scripture sometimes. Actually, all the time. There's no sometimes about that. And um, I have some examples. Um, Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And I think this is meant for people who need refuge. I, I, I suppose it's nice for the ones who already feel like they have refuge, but I think it's meant for the people who need refuge. Uh, for people who are experiencing uncertainty in their life. Okay, uh, The word refuge becomes... I think more important to people who are dealing with uncertainty. I know that's the, that's how it was with me. Second um, Peter one three, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And I have applied this to myself um, on multiple occasions when I felt like I, I couldn't do something, and I. I kind of, I didn't, I'm not going to say I felt like Moses because he's Moses and I'm me. Um, but I felt like I wasn't up to whatever it was that God had for me. And, and one of the things I was reminded of was that, you know, God's given me everything. Um, and he had. In Romans 8.28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And sometimes this is a hard one to read um, if we're going, if we're in the middle of something because we can ask ourselves, how can anything good come out of this? But it does. So as we're going along, we're going to see, um, we're going to see Moses fail again and again at various points. But we're also going to see where um, he is obedience to God and that God starts to do great things through him and starts to use him mightily. And he starts to become the Moses that we know, you know, the Charlton Heston, maybe not the Charlton Heston Mo uh, Moses, but the, the one who um, we associate with the great miracles and that we associate with the great themes of Exodus that we're going to be digging into. And I'm looking forward to that. But if you're in the dip, and if you felt like you've been in the dip since the last time I talked about the dip, um, take heart. Um, that uh, God's going to help you and me um, out of those dips. Uh, let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. 
We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have Children's Church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.